0: How y'all doing? Um, it is indeed a blessing to be here. I am, uh, as I would say from Mississippi, I am a uh, peacock proud and hyena happy to be here with you. Um, and, and I tell you, we've already been so blessed. Uh, Bob and, and Leslie, I mean, just stirred our hearts. Bob, I think, I think the best thing that you said um, that was so profound is that um, Leslie's coming up in a few moments. <laughs> Um, I was thought. I mean, that was that was the best line of your whole talk. Um, and Leslie, when you spoke, now I know why you offered me a cigarette at the table. I was wondering. I was like, I was like, this place is pretty progressive, man. She's offering a cigarette, but I see you are you just used to hustling, and that's your currency. So I. I thank you for the Marlboro light that's in my pocket right now. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, uh, seriously, she did offer me a cigarette. Um, I, am, I, I'm, I am torn. I, this is my first time being here, um, and, and I'm amazed and hearing about the vision and, and who's in the room. Um, but, but I'm honestly, if I'm just to be honest, I am struggling. I am a church planter. Um, and we're a church plant that seeks to plant churches and we've been planting churches all across the country uh, and, are, and across the world in India and Ecuador and different places and church planners are so used to always raising money. Um, so to be in this room and to preach and not take an offering at the end, I, it's taken all I got not to have the servers get some buckets and just just have a prayer. Have the band come and play. Like this is this is the perfect setup for an offering. But I will resist the temptation. <laughs> I know y'all don't need to be pressured this week. So I I get it, Tom. I'm gonna do my job. Uh, Matthew 28 is where you'll find me. Um, it, it's it's a passage where I'm, I'm doing something a little risky. I'm I'm gonna talk for a few moments tonight about. Uh, a passage that's so familiar I run the risk as a communicator of you checking out on me early because I'm gonna talk about the Great Commission. Um, But it it is my prayer and hope that God would give us fresh eyes and fresh ears to see, hear, and experience this passage again as if it were the first time. Matthew 28, begin reading at verse 18. Hear these words of our Father All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely, I love the King James Version, it says, and lo, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Friends, would you pray with me as we dive into God's word? God, thank you so much for this great ministry. Thank you for, these are children who've gathered together. Now, Father, we've gathered together. <sighs> Speak, O oh Lord. Your children have gathered to listen. Tune our ear to your voice so that you might hear us ever so clearly, so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask now that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength, you are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Growing up in Pearl, Mississippi, um, I spent many hours sitting uh, at the kitchen table watching my grandmother make homemade rolls, uh, baking cakes. Uh, that was incentive to sitting around the kitchen while she baked cakes. Uh, as she finished with the batter uh, and as she put it in, there was always a residue that was left. Uh, and She'd hand over the spoon. Anybody know what it's like to lick the cake? Okay, all right, I'm just making sure. Yeah, she she handed over, but there was also something else happening. Both of my grandfathers were pastors. Um, I grew up in the church. Uh, their Their fathers were pastors, so there's a long lineage of pastors and church leaders. My mother was the musician at our church. She would, as she was baking, she would just hum and sing songs. And in between, songs, she'd turn around and give us proverbs of life. Um, Now, nobody wanted to hear that. We just want the spoon, woman. Um, (laughs) But it's amazing to me, 41 years old, those proverbs still stuck. The the cake batter obviously still stuck as well. Um, But um, (laughs) there's one that she used to sing and hum. It was one of her favorites remember only what you do for Christ will last remember only what you do for Christ will last only what you do for him will be counted in the end only Jesus is talking to the disciples as they've gathered there. He's about to ascend and he looks at them and he gives them the final instructions. Like a grandmother talking to a grandchild, he looks at them with authority and says, now go, make disciples. He he gives them what, what my grandmother was giving to me a spiritual legacy, a vision for the future. Here's the assignment, here's the focus, here's what you go do, and he's clear. He says, from here, go and make disciples. Teaching them and baptizing them. Unfortunately, I fear that in our culture, we've made this commandment transactional when it was really intended to be relational. We've made it transactional when it was intended to be relational. It's not some transaction that happens. It's a relational journey that we go on. It's kind of like this. One of the worst things that my wife can ask me to do. Uh, I'm literally terrified at this. I, I, I have anxiety. A fear rises up when she says, honey, I need you to go to the grocery store. The fear overwhelms me. This is why, and some husbands, you may be able to relate to this, there's no way I get this right. (laughs) There's no way I get it right. I will go inevitably and I will return with the elements, but they'll be the wrong ones. In my house, I don't know how it is in your house, sugar ain't sugar no more. She says sugar, I brought back sugar. She says, this isn't the sugar I get. This is not the sugar we get. The sugar we get is in a green packet. Haven't you seen the sugar we have? And I wanna say, honey, how much time do you think I spend analyzing the color of the sugar packet that's in the kitchen? I'm not paying attention to the color, but there there she is, now I'm in trouble. So now I'm walking around the grocery store and y'all, I'm like a little kid that's about to get in trouble. It's like, I know I'm gonna get a whooping. I just know I'm gonna get in trouble. So I'm walking around y'all and it's over overwhelming. And, and I try to get help. I try to ask the the, little, the, the the worker that's there, and he's running around with a rack of meat on the dolly, and he runs past. He says, excuse me, sir, could you please tell me where the, where the Velveeta is? And he says, oh, uh, go down that third aisle on, and then take a right. <sighs> I'm lost. I'm looking around. I, my church members are passing by looking at me. Is that Pastor Tate? He looks so confused. He won't say anything. And I get there, and I and then I, I can't figure out where to go. And then I the, the, another lady, ma'am, could you tell me I'm looking for the Velveeta cheese? She says, um, it's, it's on the aisle six. You're right in front of it. And I want to say, lady, if I knew it was right in front of me, I wouldn't ask you if it was aisle six. But I, my church members passed by again. There's Pastor Tate. He looks so angry. I don't know. So I'm like, I can't get this right. And you know, I'm looking for Velveeta. Did y'all know Velveeta ain't even on the cheese aisle? Have y'all noticed that? which makes me feel better about myself because you know, it makes me wonder if it's not on the cheese out, is it really cheese? It's not even refrigerated. It comes in a box. It's in a hot section of the rest of the, of the, the that's, that's dangerous to me, you know what I mean? And listen, I grew up in a house with two sisters and my mom and now I have two little girls and, and two boys and my wife. So I, I get assignments at the grocery store that that men shouldn't get. <laughs> yeah, I have to do that too. So I'm that guy, ladies. You've seen me over there. I'm just looking. I didn't know it was this many options. I, just, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if she has wings. I don't know what to do. I've, I've never seen her flying around. I don't know what to do. I'm just. Just confused. Because at the grocery store, all they do is just point me and they just point me to it. They just point me to it. They don't guide me. However, if you ever go to Home Depot, they have a policy. If you go to the right one, they have a policy. Because you know Home Depot, you can get everything from, you know, from uh, jelly beans to building a bathroom. You can do, I mean, you can do it all in there. Um, they, their policy is that if you ask for something, they don't point you to it. They actually walk you there. So you go, and I said, sir, I need, <laughs> I need nails, because I'm just not the hard work. I'm just not that guy. So I need nails. He's like, sure, sure, sure. And they walk me over, and they throw me, show me to the quarter-inch nails. And I was like, well, thank you. And I said, uh, sir, can I help you with anything else? Why, yes, you can. I need light bulbs as well. I was, sure, no problem, Mr. Tate. Your wife called ahead of time. She told us, <laughs> she told us you were coming. And it had taken me, I, 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 I fear that when we talk about discipleship we've grown in a culture where we point people to it and not walk people to it and discipleship has become this oh accept Jesus and then I'll point you to the next church Uh, accept Jesus and I'll point you to the next bible study Uh, accept Jesus and I'll point you to the next ministry that's not the vision he's giving us in Matthew 28. He says, when he says go baptize, the idea is as you are going, as you are going through life, as you are journeying through, you teach as people come alongside you. And you baptize, you you lead them into the, the, the love of Jesus Christ. And the idea is you just don't point people to, but you walk with people. You don't just send a check, but like Leslie was saying, let your heart be grabbed may it be a life investment, not just a financial investment. Because when you you don't do that, you miss the full blessing. Discipleship is relational, not transactional. Jesus Christ is inviting your whole life to walk alongside those and not just point them to the next stop, but to walk with them on the journey find ministries, find opportunities where they can capture your heart and not just your check. He says, go ye therefore, and then he says this to all nations. What I love it, being a church planner, God gave me a vision, uh, (laughs) I laugh, he didn't really, it's not my vision, it was in the book the whole time, of a multi-ethnic church. Because we're gonna be in a multi-ethnic heaven You know, sometimes I I think, I don't know what we think uh, because we're so divided. I I don't know if we think when we get to heaven, y'all know it's not going to be a white section, a black section, an Asian section, or a Latino section, but the book of Revelation says that there they were gathered around God's throne, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every race declaring worthy is the lamb that was slain. That's where God's called us to be. That's where God calls us to be. Parenthetically, y'all do know if it was a black section, the music would be off the chain, don't you? Y'all know that. Girl, I'm going to the black section tonight. It's going to be good. (laughs) The 11 o'clock hour on Sunday is still the most segregated hour of the week. And God just gave me a burden for all of his children. Not just the ones that look like me, live like me, vote like me. And if that's what heaven's gonna look like, shouldn't we start practicing now? Shouldn't we start getting some practice or else we're not gonna know when to stand up or clap. We ain't gonna know how to clap right. We ain't gonna know what to do. The first time somebody shout, you're gonna be scared, have a heart attack and die. Good thing you're gonna be in heaven. You just be able to get back up again, but still, it can be rough. <laughs> like we're gonna all be there together. We gotta start practicing now. So 12 years ago, God began to give me a vision of what does it mean for us to build a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic intergenerational church. My first step was to move from Mississippi to Pasadena, California, there where I attended Fuller Seminary, and I started working at a church, Lake Avenue Congregational Church, right across the street. Phenomenal church, predominantly white, uber conservative, um, and I, I get to Lake Avenue, I had never seen that many white people before in my life. Uh, and, 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 and I get there and I'm the youth pastor. And I'm telling you, th- this idea of all nations, it's harder. It's, it's harder. I get there and I'm the youth pastor, I'm the only piece of chocolate in the room. Uh, you know, and I'm there and I'm trying to navigate the differences. I'm already from Mississippi in California. So I already go to the restaurant, immediately I go to the restaurant and I say, yes, can I have a, um, can I have a sweet tea? She says, um, we don't have sweet tea, we've got green tea. And I thought, how disgusting, who in the world? <laughs> wants green tea. It is this want some molded tea? Like, what is happening here? I'm telling you now. I've been there 12 years. I drink green tea all the time. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. So, But, but I have these moments where I'm just learning these cultural differences because if you're going to go to All Nations, you gotta, you got to get, get out of your safe zone, this comfortable zone. So I, I'm the youth pastor, and I'm telling you, I'm passing these little white kids and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared. I'm scared the first time I preach, I'm gonna get loud. I'm gonna scare the little white girl. She's gonna run out crying. Her mama's gonna send me an email. What did you do to my child? And I'm gonna be like, I oh, was just trying to preach the gospel. I don't know. That didn't happen by the way. Well, it kind of did, but anyway. Um, <laughs> You're supposed to do stuff, when you're a youth pastor, you're supposed to do stuff with the kids. You're supposed to like do activities with the kids. So one, one young girl comes with me and says, pastor, pastor, let's, we wanna go hiking. I said, I don't, I don't think black people do that. I don't, I'm not sure. Let me, let me check our, our Facebook page, but I, I, I don't think. I said, let me, let me understand this. Tell me, tell me about hiking, tell, help me understand. He says, we're well, we gonna, we gonna all get together we're gonna walk up this mountain, then we're gonna turn around and come back down. Wait a minute, we're gonna walk up the mountain and we're gonna get up there? You mean tell me we ain't gonna barbecue or nothing while we there? We just gonna come back down? Say, so y'all can just go take a picture and just tell me and I'll be down here barbecuing on the way back. You know what I mean? It's just, just cultural difference. I didn't grow up doing it. That. That's just not what we did. I can, there's some things that would, culturally it's just different. It's just different. I can look at the news headline and see and tell, no, that's not us. That's not, that's not black people, I can tell. Man mauled by bear. That ain't us. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. That ain't us. You know why? Because we ain't up there where no bears are. That's, that's white people up there hiking. That's who that is. That's what's going on there. I, I'm in there navigating this new culture. And can I tell you the Lord began to do something in me that was beyond anything I could have ever thought or imagined. When I started getting into discipling relational relationships, my team, I'll never forget we went to a restaurant and sitting at the table you've got, this is my three team members and me. One guy, his name is Jeff. Uh, This is just, I'm sorry, I just don't know any other way to explain it. He just looks like a, a big white dude that spent the whole day chopping wood. You know what I mean? In like a plaid shirt. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You came here with one. Uh, I mean, he just looked like, you know, yeah. He just looked like a, just a, a wood chopping white guy. You know what I mean? Uh, and then it was this other young lady and in, 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 I'm in Southern California and I'm from Mississippi. I didn't get it. I didn't know what was happening, but she would talk and i thought she had an accent but it wasn't she would just talk like with like a melody like she was singing and when she would talk it would sound like all melodious and i was like why are you talking like that and she would talk and you don't know if she's asking a question or making a statement because the way she would end her statements would always leave you with mystery like <laughs> i don't know so I was like, oh, I was like, oh wow, where are you from? She was like, up the street. <laughs> and then you had Jesse, who, <laughs> you know, who he had three different colors in his hair. He had blonde, burgundy, and black, um, and it looked like a flock of seagulls kind of thrown together there. And he had a lip, two lip rings, a nose ring, an ear earring, and he says he didn't, but I could have sworn he was wearing eyeliner. But I, I, I don't, I don't think he was. I, I don't know. Uh, and he's sitting there, and then you got me, you know what I mean? Uh, brother from Mississippi, and we're sitting all at the table, and our waitress comes to the table, and she comes to the table. You know how you, you think something, but you, you, would, you would never dare say it out loud, but your mouth didn't get the memo? So before you know it, it kind of comes out before you can even catch it. We're sitting at the table, all of us sitting there together, and she comes to the table, and she says, what are y'all doing together? How amazing for us to say the gospel of Jesus Christ brings us together. It brings people that don't look alike, don't live alike, don't vote alike. Brings us together as we gather for something greater than ourselves, and that is the mission in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, go to all nations. Discipleship is not transactional, it's relational. It's not limited to your comfortable space. You gotta go places may be uncomfortable, you gotta go places that may require uh, security or bulletproof vests. You may go, have to go across town where there are people that didn't vote like you and don't look like you. But for the sake of the spiritual legacy that God has called us to leave and deposit, we don't get to pick and choose the destination. We just get to go on the journey and say, yes, Lord, And I'm telling you, if you say yes, he's going to call you to uncomfortable places. If you said yes to the Lord and everywhere he's called you is comfortable, check the source. He's going to call you to some uncomfortable places. But with that, don't be afraid. The best part of the Great Commission, the part that I love the most, is when he says, I love the King James Version. It says, lo, I am with you always. You're not going by yourself. This isn't some some journey that you're going to go on and figure it out all by yourself. No. He says, I will be with you always. Dr. Jerry Young, pastor down in Mississippi, legendary Baptist pastor. Um, he doesn't fly. As a matter of fact, he's scared to fly. Uh, he always drives. He just has this fear of flying. So the other, other pastors, they like to, you know, poke fun at him. So They'll, they'll poke fun at him. And, and, and one pastor was introducing him, and he says, now, 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 I love to fly, because I love to be high where Jesus is. I, I like to be close to where Jesus is, and he's poking fun at Dr. Jerry Young. So Dr. Jerry Young, not to be outdone, he comes and he stands, pl- he stands at the platform, and he says, well, now, I know he said that he likes to be high where Jesus is, but the Bible says, lo, I am with you always. <laughs> lo. Lo as we humble ourselves and say yes to the mission, can I just tell you, low, he's with you always. When you find yourself in low places and you're intimidated by what's ahead, he's with you always. Some of you, over the course of the next few days, the Holy Spirit's gonna whisper. Some of you, he's gonna scream because you just kinda have that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he has to scream at you. But, but, but I believe he's gonna speak to you concerning how you might Let the world know of his greatness through your stewardship, through your faithfulness, through your obedience. Some of you, he's going to whisper some big things. It's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be intimidating. It's going to be bigger than what you estimated already in that moment. Don't be afraid. Can you imagine those disciples hearing that that call go into all the world? you imagine how intimidating that assignment is? He says, don't be afraid. I will go with you. And when they did it, there was stuff coming out of them that they never thought would come out of them. Now, that, was, that was stuff happening. in that when you say yes to this mission and when you begin to live with great generosity and with great joy so that the world may know, you're not just blessing the world. The world begins to bless you. The mission begins to bless you. It begins to shape you. One of the best things you can do for your marriage is get on mission. One of the best things that you can give your kids is a legacy and a vision of mission. If you're sitting here and you're in a drought in your spiritual life, one of the greatest things that you can do for your spiritual life is get on mission and start living intentionally, strategically, a discipling life. You'd be amazed at what'll come out of you. In California, everyone's all amazed, all buzz about something called the super bloom. Um, it's, it's these places where you've just seen these meadows of just, they've just been desert, just deserts. And now you look out and there are just flowers all over the place. Now, I know people from other parts of the, cross- the country are like, uh, it's a flower. What's the big deal? Uh, ooh, it's an orange flower. Big deal. But we know these have been places that have just been droughts. I mean, just, just barren land, just sand, just desert places. But now you look and these mountains are covered with these beautiful flowers. Well, it's because we had so much rain the last two years. We had so much rain that flowers have just come up all over the place. The lesson is those flowers, the seeds were already in the ground. They just needed the rain. And when the rain came, super bloom came. Everything that you need, God has already seeded greatness inside of you. You just need the rain of God. And in the rain of God, you will experience a spiritual super bloom in your life. Ooh, that was good. Let me say that again. When you get the reign of God, when God gets control, when he gets full reign of your life, get ready. There's a super bloom that's gonna come out of your life. There's a super bloom that's gonna come out of your marriage. There's a super bloom that's gonna come out of your parenting. There's a super bloom that's gonna come out of your business because you're thinking differently and you're allowing God to reign. And I'm telling you, greatness will begin to show up. These disciples, they went running around telling people about Jesus. Walking with people and discipling and investing in greatness came out of them. (sighs) Finally, discipleship, it's relational. It's not transactional. It's, it's, It's not point people to, but it's walking with. Not only that, but it's gonna call you to hard places where people don't look like you, live like you, or vote like you. It's gonna require discomfort. You might even have to hustle up some cigarettes from what I hear. Um, Don't be afraid, the Lord's gonna go with you. And finally, it's our job description. God has given it to us and we've gotta pass it on to the next generation, to the neighbor. We've got to pass it on. God has deposited in us this spiritual legacy, and we've got to give it on. We've got to pass it on. My grandmother deposited in me, and now I get to deposit in others. God has put something in you, and a part of your job description. This isn't optional. It's not extracurricular. It's not if I get some extra time, I'd love to. No, it's fundamentally core to who God has called you to be. He's invested in you. Now take that investment and pass it on for God's glory. It was 1989, I'm sitting there a little boy and I'm watching with tiptoe anticipation, this honoring of Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. is one of the greatest performers of his time, of his generation. And they were honoring him, but this night would It would be marked with a certain emotion because it had become well known at this time that Sammy Davis Jr. had been diagnosed with cancer. And it was terminal. There's nothing else the doctors could do. So while sitting there at this appreciation, all of Hollywood is gathered, TV cameras there, I'm sitting in the living room watching. Everyone knew that this was Probably our last time seeing Sammy in this kind of space. All of the stars paraded across the stage, and then finally, the moment that everyone had been waiting for, Gregory Hines, who was his premier mentee. Gregory Hines, phenomenal dancer, he hit the stage. The crowd felt the emotion, because this was like the sun saluting the dad. Gregory Hines was phenomenal. He began to tap and dance. And he would tell stories and tap and dance. And he does this amazing combination that just takes your breath away. And he ultimately culminates by falling in Sammy's arms as they both couldn't hold back the tears as the crowd stood to their feet and roared. Then, Sammy surprised everybody. He beckoned for his shoes. He put on his tap shoes. And old Sammy, as the crowd stood in awe, watched what they felt would be his last performance. And he danced and danced. And the crowd roared and wept at the same time. The night ends and most people say, that's it. That's the last time we would see Sammy perform. And it would be, but it would not be the last time Sammy would perform. At his funeral, Gregory Hines gives a eulogy and he stands on the platform and he tells the audience of one final dance. He tells the audience of a private meeting. Gregory went to the hospital room By now, cancer had physically taken over Sammy's body, his face sunken in, frail. The cancer had taken over his throat. He could no longer talk at all. Gregory went to go see his old mentor. Gregory went over and kissed him. And in the hospital room, nobody watching, Gregory danced for his mentor one last time. Tears streaming down his face. He dances and he ends. And that's when Sammy Davis does the unthinkable. Frail body connected to machines starts pushing himself up out of the bed. Starts pulling cords. The nurses try to come in and he, he shoes them away. And Sammy, frail body, comes and stands in front of Gregory Hines. And he starts dancing, frail, old, feeble, but he's dancing. And then Gregory Hines at the eulogy says, Sammy does one gesture that he'll never forget. Sammy, while he was dancing, he looks at Gregory Hines and he does this. With tears in his eyes, Gregory said, It was as if he was passing me the baton, passing me the legacy, commissioning me to go. Friends, Jesus Christ, on that day, looked at those disciples and he said, and he passed it on. And here we are sitting in this room, thousands of years later, and the gesture is still assigned. He says to you and I, it on. Pass it on. I've made a spiritual investment. I've invested a legacy into your life. Pass it on. Pass it on. Pass it on for His glory. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for what you've invested in us. I thank you that this call is not just transactional, it's relational. I thank you that this call takes us well beyond our comforts. If we're gonna go to every nation, it's gonna require some disruption. But God, you didn't call us to comfort, you called us to kingdom. So we say, yes, Lord, recognizing that that yes may provoke some fear of obedience. There are Those of us in this room that you're calling us to do big and dangerous and disruptive things, things that won't be comfortable, things that won't be easy, but you're calling us. We find comfort in this passage because you said, You will be with us. So Father, go with us as we seek with all that we have to pass on the investment that you put in us. Knowing, remembering only what we do for Christ will last. In Jesus' name, amen.